The following audio is part two of a three-part series on civil righteousness. This was given by J.T. Thomas um, back in October of 2022. All right, we're going to get started again. A few more people are making their way in. I'm going to go ahead and jump into this. This is just so you know, this is theologically dense. Somebody say this is dense. So um, it's going to feel like a fire hose. You're going to feel overloaded. But part of why I could not sleep last night is because the Lord uh, wanted to talk to me all night about what he needed me to to do and accomplish here. I want you to know that in Ephesians, it says that um, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. It says rulers of wickedness in high places, spiritual rulers of wickedness. And so in Ephesians 3, Paul says that grace had been given to him to make known the mystery. And it said, Ultimately, it says that through the church, the manifold or the multifaceted or multicolored wisdom of God would be made known to the powers and principalities. In other words, some preaching and teaching is so that you can get understanding and equipping. Some preaching is actually to declare heaven's reality to the demonic forces that try to keep uh, us from understanding heaven's reality. Do you understand? You don't have to understand. All that to say that what we're engaging in, what, this discussion, there's so much warfare. There is spiritual resistance to us having this conversation. That's why maybe even during that segment where I was just telling story, you might have started to feel like, Ugh, at certain points. It's because we are in, the, in the, one of the greatest tensions between heavenly realities and what we see and live in on the earth. And we're about to dive into why. Okay? So, Lord, I ask as we start this portion for your divine grace, I um, appropriate the blood of Jesus. I just declare that nothing can wash away our sins. And nothing can make us whole again except your blood. So I, d- I just ask that you would wash us in the blood now and give us the grace to hear, to see, to know, and to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So what is justice? In our culture today, I've traveled to hundreds of cities. Civil righteousness, we have chapters in over 400 cities that kind of sprung up organically overnight in the Floyd moment. Now the last two years of my life has been figuring out what in the world are we doing trying to lead 400 different groups of people (laughs) and actually intentionally uh, scaling that back to be more substantive and deep than wide. But I say all that to say that in these places where we've been engaging, uh, it doesn't matter what type of community I'm among, whether I'm among Uh, Black people, white people, Asians, Latino, uh, if I'm with more conservatives or whether I'm I'm in more progressive places, when I ask what is justice, I get different definitions. So as believers, we will never unite 
around our political ideologies ever. That's not, that, that is not, there's no power in our political parties to, to unite us. Uh, we will not unite around even historical fact because I could come here and give you the clearest historical rundown and you'd be like, eh, I don't know if I really believe that happened. So we have to go to the authority of scripture to define uh, our reality and to unite around it. And so, first of all, justice is a person. Justice is a person. Isaiah 42 says, behold my servant whom I uphold, my in whom my soul delights. And I'm sorry if that's too small. I didn't know what our screen situation would be here. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. Now, if you hear if you follow my teachings and have or if you do, what you'll notice is I love the prophet Isaiah. I quote Isaiah all the time because I believe Isaiah saw Jesus more clearly than any one than any other prophet before his time. Isaiah prophesies in detail throughout his ministry. He prophesies about Jesus. And so he says about Jesus, behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth. He will bring forth to the nations. Now, anywhere where you see nations in the Bible, not, almost in most places, the Greek word is ethnos, eth, where we get ethnicity. That's not just talking about nations as in like, you know, Germany. No, this is, this is the ethnic groups, the people groups of the world. Jesus will bring forth justice to the ethnicities. He says he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. Wait a second. We have to pause and wrestle with this. How do we, what do we do when we want justice? We cry aloud, lift up our voice and make it heard in the street. But this says, that's not how he's doing it. Okay, interesting. It says a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. However, it tells us what he's not going to do. In fact, there's a Christian rap song. Here's what we're not going to do. A guy named Andy Minio. Check it out. <laughs> he will not do those things, but he will faithfully bring forth. He will faithfully bring forth. He will faithfully. Bring forth Who's going to do that? Jesus. Who's going to do that? Jesus. So. How do you reconcile pastors who say, well, I don't need to come to that race and, and, and church seminar because I just need to preach Jesus? What Jesus are you preaching? Who, who, is, who is your Jesus if he's not the God of justice? Because pro or maybe, maybe the prophet Isaiah was a false prophet. Is that what it was? He will bring forth justice. And a bruised reed, a bruised reed, I'm having problems with this. The, the, a bruised reed, it says he will not break. 
How do you get a bruise? Huh? How? You fall, you get hit. So a bruise is the indication of an external action that happened that bruised your internals. A bruise is where the vessels inside under your skin get broken. And what happens if somebody just punched you, if, if, if you had a big bruise right here and I did this, what are you going to do? Uh, act like it, just act like it. Right, the moment I touch you, my wife, if I did that to her, she slapped me. Like her, she just, she's got like, she's, my wife's a ballet dancer. She's gentle. She, when she walks, she looks like she's like floating. But if she's her, if I was to touch her, she's got an instant like, pow. it's like when I try to tickle it. My daughter loves to be tickled. So we like tickle and stuff. I'll tickle my wife and she will punch me so hard. Everybody knows. We, Everybody, if you met her, you'd be like, oh, she's so, so sweet. I'm like, y'all have no idea. <laughs> if you are bruised and your bruise gets touched, you're going to react. What happens when a people have been bruised for hundreds of years? They've been hit for hundreds of years and the bruise has yet to heal. They get touched and maybe the reaction looks like burning stuff down. They're just I, w- I wasn't thinking, it, but it just touched the bruise. And out of the pain, I just responded. I had to do something. And so then the church, let's get clear, a portion of the church goes, oh, my goodness. Do you see those people doing that? That's George Soros funded chaos. That's blah, 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 blah. Why are you doing that? And, it, and, and a portion of the church says, let's break the bruise reed. Your pain's not legitimate. Just stop. Pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Stop talking about it. You're race baiting. This is da, da, da. Jesus says, I'm not going to break the bruise reed. But on the flip side, the other people go, Look, I'm being too, I'm being too nice. I'm going to be very blunt. Conservative evangelicalism says, stop it. And, and now we've developed new language with your woke ideologies and your wokeness and your blah, blah, blah. Just stop it. Meanwhile, the liberal and progressive camps and black and minorities are over here going, you know what? You call yourself a Christian. What gospel? You don't know the first thing about Jesus. In fact, you hide behind your pharisaical righteousness, your, your Christian nationalism, your blah, 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 and, 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 and responds and says, you know, you weren't, where were you? You know, we respond in the same anger even though justified as the guys on the street. that's like, you know what? You ain't doing nothing but being a leech in this community and, 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 and uh, living off of our backs behind your piety, your fake piety when you don't care about justice. And so we say you're, you're dimly burning light. Your light is so dim that then, you know, we make some 
some on that side make it their aim to put out the light altogether. You call yourself a people of the light, you don't even have any light. In fact, I'm leaving your white spaces, I'm leaving your churches, I'm leaving your God. What can white Jesus, I had a young man, he said, what can white Jesus do for me? I said, well, first of all, bro, he won't white, man. Let's just start right there, bro. Secondly, the only thing white about him, it says in the book of Revelation, he has hair that's white as wool and feet like burnished bronze. He has eyes like a flame of fire. He opens his mouth and a double-edged sword comes out. His voice is like the sound of many waters. Do you know this man? He wears a white robe. And on the, on the bottom of the robe, it says in the book of Revelation, is the blood of the nations where he treads the winepress of the nations. He has an iron scepter in his head in his hand. It says where he rules the nations. And in righteousness, in Revelation 19, it calls his name faithful and true. It says in righteousness, he judges and brings justice and makes war. He's a warring king. He's a, he's a lion and he's a lamb. He's tender and he's terrible. I said, do you know this man? That's the, you're talking, you're talking about the king of kings. He has a, a name on his thigh that, that nobody even knows. He has a tattoo. Jesus has a tattoo. And it's, it's, so, it's so great and so terrible that we can't even in, in our humanity know it. We might die if we heard it. That's the one you're talking about? You know that young man gave his life to Jesus. <laughs> you see, there are times where we preach the cross. We preach the Jesus of the cross. Then there are times and seasons just because Paul resolved to, to know nothing but Christ and him crucified, in the context that he was talking to, that's what he resolved to know. That doesn't mean that's all he knew. There, there's, there's a king that is returning to the earth to do Isaiah 42, to bring justice. Do you hear? It says, he will not grow faint. So we're growing faint. On the left, you're growing faint because you're tired and fed up with conservative Christianity. On the, on the right, you're growing faint because you're tired of liberal uh, leftist ideologies. But guess what? He will not grow faint. He will not be discouraged until he has established justice, not in heaven, where? In the earth and the coastlands. Who lives on the coastlands? The nations will wait for his law. A king is coming, and he is bringing a righteous government to the earth. And we are speeding towards the day, and in this hour, God is revealing the insufficiencies of the earthly governments. And he's saying, you think you got it right on the right, and you ain't got nothing but wrong. You think you got it right on the left and you ain't got nothing wrong. We don't need to look at the elephant and the donkey. You need a lamb. Who is a lion. Who's coming to confront the kings of the, of the earth and judge between the nations. So it says, Isaiah said earlier, for unto us, we, we read this, 
at Christmas time. We hear little kids read it and sing it with, you know, with, you know, little merry clothes on. You know, they say, for unto us a child is born, and the, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Do you know that is one of the most earth-shaking scriptures? For unto us, God, the creator of the universe, the eternal, immutable, unmatched God is incarnating to walk the earth as a man. However, though he looks weak, all of creation, all of the created and the uncreated order, all authority rests upon that infant. My God. And his name will be called in an era of crisis where everybody is losing their minds and needs to go see a counselor. Wonderful counselor. In an era where everybody's starting to question where is the God of Elijah, if he is good, if he is kind, if he is patient, if he is just, then where is my justice? He is mighty. I am mighty. There is nothing too hard for me. And I'm a father. Yeah, but what about the fatherlessness? You know, I love hearing people who are not close to certain communities go, well, you know, the real issue in the black community is, is you know, y'all want to blame systemic racism, but it's really fatherlessness. Listen, man, he's everlasting father. God is father. He don't need me. Now I want to be like him. I want to be a great father. But he is the everlasting father, and he's not the father of just, he is the father of the nations. That's why the apostle prayed, for this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom heaven and earth is named. There's like a heavenly family and heavenly creatures and earthly family and earthly creatures. And we're all named from one father. And in the midst of a time where there's a chop zone in downtown Seattle, where fires are raging in the east and the west and the Middle East and the global south, he's a prince. There's a kingdom and he brings shalom. He brings peace. Do you know that, Jesus? Do you know him? Are we preaching that, Jesus? So Jesus, justice is a person. I was supposed to, that was supposed to take me three minutes, Pastor Andrew. <laughs> Y'all. Justice is also a proclamation. It's the enactment of divine authority or governance. The word is mishpat. Properly, a verdict pronounced judicially, especially a sentence or a formal decree. Human or a participant's divine law, individual or collective, including the act, the place, the suit, the crime, and the penalty. Justice is also Law. It is governance. It is divine law, divine governance. And so any 
if the government rests upon his shoulders, any form of justice that exists apart from Jesus is a false justice. There is no justice without Jesus. It's a person. And all authority comes from him and flows through him. Because it's for him. Which means any other governmental form. You're like, well, you know, we live in a pluralistic society and not everybody's Christians. That's true. But at the end of the day, all authority comes from him. All authorities must answer to him. I'm going to hit a massive elephant in the room. That's why I don't live here. Because I can just get on a flight and leave and let you deal with all the problems. When Obama went into office, I went to prayer meetings that looked primarily of people of my color, where they were praying in a prayer meeting right before he won the presidency. They were, they were declaring, it is done. It's finished, God, we thank you for giving us this Moses. Hallelujah. And it's a joyful prayer meeting. I leave that prayer meeting and go to another prayer meeting that's primarily with people who don't look like me. And it was somber. Oh, God, have mercy on our nation. Oh, Lord, please. I literally heard somebody say, Give us anybody but Obama. The next election cycle, the same thing. Because, again, I go in and out. I go in and out. My wife is white. We live between, in a predominantly black community. Today, I'm on staff. I live in a community that's 78% African-American. I'm on staff at a church across the country in another city that's predominantly white. <laughs> so I live in this tension. I'm going back and forth. The church we're a part of in the community where I live is predominantly black. The community that I serve pastorally is predominantly white. <laughs> and so I'm in, in these, these tensions all day, every day. And I'm going, you know, you got the prophetic people. I don't know if you believe in prophecy, but you got prophetic people on both sides. I got one prophet, pastor, I had a vision. Trump's going to win a, separate, a second term. And then over here, pastor, the Lord came to me and showed me that Biden is the president. Either we got a bunch of people who can't hear <laughs> or we're praying to two different gods. Do you hear what I'm saying? I believe that just like Israel, we want a king that looks like us. So I believe the answer is, did God tell you that Trump was going to win? Did God desire for Trump to win? Did God desire for Biden to win? Did God desire for Obama to win? The answer is yes. If all authority comes from God, I got people right now who are still fasting and praying because they believe the election is, is stolen. I'm like, so you believed that God set Trump in the office and you believe that all authority comes from God. 
all authority. But yet they were able to steal God's authority. That's not, do you, do you under, this is what I'm saying. If God put, let's, let's, let's entertain that there really was a stolen election. I told you, I'm here, I'm, I'm going there. Let's entertain that there was a stolen election. If the theft was successful, it was successful because God allowed it to be, because you can't not have that kind of authority over a nation and it not come from God. Now, the question is what you do with that authority. So if Trump won again, if he wins again, if he runs again and wins again, who knows? If he wins again, we have to accept the fact that God will give us what our hearts desire. God will give to us what our hearts desire. And he judges leaders because the government is upon him. He judges them. If you read through First Chronicles and Second Kings and all the kings, the Chronicles, it says, and such and such became king and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And then such and such became king and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. And then such and such became king and he honored his fathers and did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Only God, at the end of the day, God judges kings and kingdoms based on his standard of justice and his standard of righteousness. And because we live in a constitutional republic, God will allow the vote to go the way that reflects what is most in our hearts. So way back in 2008, when, when there was a, 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 a nation of people, including my dad, who grew up under the Jim Crow laws of the South, when I asked him, I, you know, because I'm, I'm, I got to navigate both worlds, so I try to stay objective. I said, Dad, who are you voting for? And he laughed at me. He's like, oh, you know who I'm voting for. I said, no, who, who are you voting for? He said, are you serious? I said, yeah, tell, tell me who, who you're voting for. He said, now, Jonathan. <laughs> now, boy! <laughs> he like, now, after all we've been through, you seriously telling me you don't know who I'm voting for? I said, tell, tell me who you vote for, Dad. He said, how am I going to drive myself to the polls with an opportunity to put a black man in the office and not do it after all we've been through? And I said, oh. I already knew that. <laughs> but I, I, I needed to, I wanted to hear what was the the deepest driver in his heart. And it's that phrase, after all we've been through. A man who was in his early 20s before he ever walked through the front door of a public establishment. A man whose brother was unjustly killed by the cops. A man who had seen people hanging from trees in the south. A man who, I mean, I could go on and on and on, and I'm going, this is, Obama could have said, I guarantee you, Obama could have said, when I get in the office, I want to legalize the ability for, um, you know, child, children to be sacrificed in the public square. I know that, that sounds extreme. But at that point, there was a deep wound that had never been healed that was so rich and deep in my dad's heart that, that his emotions would have overpowered any rational argument against voting for Obama. 
So God gave a nation. It was a blessing and a curse. God gave us a man who looked like us, which at some level brought an immense measure of healing to people who at one point, if you even had an eighth of darkness, you couldn't, you you were a pariah, much less to be in that position of power. There was healing, but there was also, if we're real and honest, there were things that happened in that administration that do not align with biblical truth or orthodoxy. And for those things, heaven's record, his justice says, I'm weighing America. And there is consequences to some of these decisions. Then eight years later, God raised up, I say God raised up a man in Trump. So I say God raised up a man in Obama. Then God raised up a man in Trump who would do the exact, the very people who hated Obama and prayed anybody Obama, anybody but Obama, God says, okay, I'll give you your Obama, and his name is Trump. And now he reflects the deepest groanings, both for better or for worse, inside of you. He reflects what you really feel about black people. He reflects what you really feel about this. And you know what? There's things that, that, that his character, his nature, what he represents, are in total out of alignment with the very character and nature of God. Like it or not, I didn't write that. I can show you in the Bible. But there are some things, some policies, some decisions that have been made that were actually (laughs) biblically orthodox. That heaven will say, okay, there's blessing for that, but there's judgment and judgment for this. Just like in Obama's administration, there's blessing for this, but there's justice, justice and judgment for that. And all of it is a divine exposure. Why do I keep going to places that I did not plan to go today? You don't have to like what I'm saying to you. But the sons of Issachar were a group of mighty men in David's army who, knew, who understood the times and knew what the nation should do. You can't understand the times and know what the nation should do if you have political allegiances that cloud your heavenly vision. So you might not be racist, but you're a tribalist. And God actually wants to deliver us from our tribalism because we cannot deliver a nation if we're in alignment with earthly allegiances that keep us out of kingdom perspective and vision. So what God is doing is raising up prophetic voices to touch our idols. It says, in the last days, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Nation will rise against nation. That's ethnic group will rise against ethnic group. What we are seeing is the speeding up of the return of the Lord Jesus. In Matthew 24, the disciple says, what will the sign of your coming be? He says, nation will rise against nation. There will be ethnic group rising against ethnic group. Racism is going to increase, not decrease according to Jesus' prophetic warning. He says there'll be earthquakes, famines, wars, rumors of wars. And he says there will be false messiahs, false Christ. So if, I, if you hear in the coming election season a political leader that stands up and says, I can change this nation, I can do this. In fact, 
No, nobody can do it better than me. I'm the best there ever was at this. Nobody understands that issue like I do. Last time I heard, there was only one righteous. There will be Christ and false Christ. We can make a false Messiah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, that, I'm saying we can make false messiahs. And what we've done is put our, our, our faith in a political solution. I'm going to move on before I take all of you off too, too bad. Probably too late. I love you anyway. Jesus is justice. <laughs> justice is a person. Justice is a proclamation. And justice is a practice. Justice Jesus, Jesus' personality is justice. He is divine love incarnated. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and do not hide yourself from your own flesh? This is what justice is. Isaiah 58 is the definition of justice. This is what justice looks like in praxis. And this is key, because this, this is why I just went as hard as I did where I did. This is why, right here. If you take away the yoke from your midst, do you know what the yoke is? When, you're, when you have ox, you put a yoke on the ox to plow and to pull baggage, to pull stuff. When sl- my enslaved ancestors were taken to markets, they had yokes on their neck. Slaves. A yoke is an, a, an instrument of enslavement. He says, if you take away the yoke from your midst, what is the yoke? The pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. Do you know, I go to church services or seminars like this, we'll have worship and it's glorious, we'll pray, and then the person leaves the meeting, reads their favorite news pundit from their political spectrum, then gets on social media and blast those Democrats, those Republicans, those black people, those liberals, that woke ideology, that this, that if you are using those people, thus us versus them language and thinking that way, you are thinking in the first Adam. That's fleshly thinking. In the second Adam, there is no us versus them. It's only family. That's why I'm going after it. I feel like I can feel the tension right now, whether it's in this room or it's in the spirit over this city. In Jesus' name, God, I stand and I thank you that there is a higher truth and a higher reality and a greater word than the sound of the spirit of this age. So God, I thank you for the truth of your word. You said the truth will set us free. So God, I thank you for breaking off idolatry that causes us to believe that our war is against Democrat and Republican or black and white. So he says, when you stop pointing the finger and speaking wickedness, then 
You'll extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. Then your light will dawn in all the darkness. If the age is dark and all you see is darkness all around and you don't see that light has dawned, it's because we still haven't removed the yoke from our midst. But the Lord of hosts in Isaiah 5 is exalted in justice and the holy God shows himself holy in righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness is also a person. Jeremiah 23, 5 says, Behold, the days are coming that I'll raise to David a branch of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute just, justice or judgment and righteousness in the earth. Again, it's all through scripture. What does Jesus do? What, what's the primary thing he's doing? What's the primary thing that Jesus, that we've been reading, is doing? And a king shall reign and prosper, execute justice and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is the name by which he will be called. Jehovah Sikenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jeremiah 23, he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. So Isaiah has prophesied about Jesus. Now Jeremiah is prophesying about Jesus. Then we see the same thing 10 chapters later in Jeremiah 33. The exact same prophecy. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I'll proclaim that good thing which I promised to the house of Israel, to the house of Judah in those days. And at that time, I will cause to grow up to David a righteous branch. What do we call our government? How many branches? Oh, that's right. The government's on his shoulders. I will raise a righteous branch and he shall execute and in the earth. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called. Wait. Hold up. Wait a minute. We just read in Jeremiah 23, this prophecy, it said, and, his, and this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. And in Jeremiah 33, it says, and this is the name by which she will be called, the Lord our righteousness. Does that mean Jesus is transgender? <laughs> no. See, this is the problem. They're recording this too. So what happens in the world, what happens is somebody will take that part of me saying, does this mean Jesus is transgender? And they'll put that black preacher says, you know, leader of civil righteousness movement says Jesus is transgender. No, that's not what I said. I did not say that for the record. <laughs> it's talking about Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be called the Lord, our righteousness. So righteousness is first the person, then righteousness is the place. Do you understand? So if we elevate that, righteousness is a practice, and I did not put the right scripture underneath that part. But righteousness is a practice, and uh, in the New Testament, it says that Christ has become our righteousness. We are the righteousness of Christ. Now, that's not up here, but as a practice, 
when we give our lives to Jesus, he justifies us and then he brings us into sanctification and transforms us. He's making us holy and making us righteous. And then the places where we live are supposed to be transformed and start to look like us as we're starting to look like him. Does that make sense? So the imperative of a moral righteousness is that Jesus starts to make right or straight, sedek, or sadok, depending on what part of the country you're from, it, it it means, it literally means to make straight that which was crooked. To make it straight. So John the Baptist says, for I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the pathway of the Lord. So to straighten out that which is crooked. And so God is straighten, straightening out my crooked mess. And then as I'm walking the places where I live, I see corruption and darkness. And I'm like, oh, that's crooked. That needs to be made straight. And that is justice. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's how righteousness and justice meet together. So, Jesus is the desire of the nations, and the holy city is ultimately what we're looking for. What are we, what are we making straight? What is our justice built on? What is the pattern that's been set? Well, we can look at Jesus, but we can also look at the place. I saw a new heaven, the apostle John said, in a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down of heaven, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe, this is justice, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. No more sorrow, nor crying, no more, no more pain. The former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said to me, Write these down, for these words are faithful and true. There is a holy city, the kingdom of God. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we're praying for. We're praying for a city to come from heaven to the earth where it's the garden restored. It says we don't need the sun anymore because God will be with us. We were made to live in unbroken fellowship with God and unbroken fellowship with one another in his presence. So the holy city becomes our pattern. And that city is the city that Abraham longed for in Hebrews 2. It says by faith he dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, everybody say, waited for the city. Which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Do you know that everybody is looking for the city whose builder and maker is God because everybody knows that everything we've built to this point has not has not hit the spot. Do you know why the justice movements are justice movements? Because they're doing their, their level best in human power to try to build the city. They're like, well, may, maybe if we start this movement, maybe if we start this organization, maybe if we do that, that'll get us closer to this, this inward, like, God-shaped vacuum 
and longing for eternity. So if justice is a person, a proclamation, and a place, I mean, a practice, and then righteousness is a person and a place, and together that equals heaven, then when you see anybody saying, give me justice, they're really saying, give me Jesus. And when you see anybody, any organization, it doesn't matter whether it aligns with biblical truth or not. Any organization that sees what they perceive or, or to be or is really a problem and they're pursuing to work after it, whether they know Jesus or not, what they're actually going after is some form of heaven on earth. Does that make sense? So, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his government. They're the foundation of his throne. And righteousness is a posture. There's the scripture I was looking for. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I started this whole thing about how angry my great aunt was. She was a musical genius, a powerful lady. But her anger could not bring forth righteousness. What we saw in 2020 with everybody mad, how many of you know it just made everybody more mad? How many of you think that we're a more righteous nation because of all the stuff that we've gone through the last two years? Anybody? I'd love to talk to you and learn. I mean, seriously. It says the anger of man cannot accomplish the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. There's righteousness. You can't get to justice unless you turn from wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Who, what is the word? Yeah, who is the word? Jesus is the living word. Turn, repent. This is where the gospel comes in. Turn from wickedness. Receive Jesus, which is able to, receive, to save your soul. Do you know what your soul is? Not just your, your soul. I mean, there are people losing who they are. How many of you saw people that you know and love, you lost them in the last two years? Like, they're still alive. But the, 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 the climate change them. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can have no wisdom to, ad to address the social and sociocultural conundrums without wisdom from God. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Thanks for listening. To find out more about JT's organization called Civil Righteousness, visit their website at civilrighteousness.org. And to find out more information about our church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church.